welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Hey, hey. And he's been talking since 7 a.m. It's been too, too long. And it's currently, when you listen to this, 3.20 p.m. 3.21 p.m. You can do this. I'm going to try. Pray for me. All right. Well, here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ in everything that we do here at Compass, from the life groups you're a part of, to the kids' ministry, to the student ministry, and this podcast is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Compass, we actually didn't, well, we talked about the Bible and we studied a little bit of it, mm. but we did a very unique sermon that's only going to happen. It's like when the, the planets align just properly. Just kidding. <laughs> when we finish a book, we do this. So we actually did an introduction to the Gospel of Matthew. So the text I'm going to read is Matthew 1 1 from all the way to Matthew 28, verse 20. <laughs> just kidding. All right, well, Pastor Hayden. You had a very folk, uh, direct focus for us as we did a overview as a sermon lecture, lecture sermon. Kinda, mm-hmm. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. If you didn't, pray. <laughs> but uh, what was the main focus for us as a church as we overviewed the gospel of Matthew? Yeah, the goal of this sermon was to help you understand that the Gospel of Matthew helps us see how God fulfilled His promises through the life, death, resurrection, and future reign of Jesus Christ, who's come to save us from the penalty of our sins and initiate the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so that's the whole focus of the Gospel of Matthew. And so we spent the morning uh, parsing that out and looking at the structure and the flow and the themes of uh, Matthew's account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, Compass, I consider myself kind of a nice guy. We told your life group leaders to give you a test that the one purpose of Matthew, all right? So I'm going to give you the answer. Well, actually, Pastor Hayden is. So Pastor Hayden, what was the one purpose of Matthew that if we missed this, we fail the test? Yeah, you need to understand that the singular focus of the gospel of Matthew is simply this, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. You see it all over the book of Matthew, like we talked about this morning. You see it in chapter 1, verse 21, when it says his name will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. You see uh, John the Baptist's mission was repentance for the forgiveness of sins as he was the forerunner of Christ, preparing the way for Christ's ministry. You see that Jesus claiming the authority to forgive sins in chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And then you see uh, Jesus also at the uh, Lord's Supper as he initiates the Lord's Supper uh, in chapter 26, verse 28, that he says that this new covenant in my blood was for the forgiveness of sins. And so the whole book is all uh, all focusing on this simple purpose, and it, and it shows it in a bunch of different ways, but you have to remember every time you read a parable or a narrative section or anything that you do, it's all about the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has uh, one through his death and his resurrection. And we say that not to, so that you can impress your life group leaders and make them proud that you remembered the answer from the sermon. It is so that you can properly understand Matthew. Mm-hmm. And as we, you can talk about him casting out demons. It's him about the forgiveness of sins. He's trying to prove something that he can mm-hmm. forgive sins because he is right. the God that can cast out. Right. He rules over all things, including uh, including the, the fallen angels. The fallen angels, and so that's all the proof that he has the ability to also redeem people. All right. And before we jump into the points, Pastor Hayden, 
I think it'd be helpful to kind of quickly rehash and as a reminder for us of when we see the title, when we open our uh, Bibles, we see the good news according to Matthew. But you mm-hmm. broke down the two um, focuses or two uh, views. Definitions. Definitions. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Of the word gospel. Yeah, you need to understand the two, like we talked about on Sunday, just to rehash that. You have the Old Old Testament Jewish background that you see in Isaiah, uh, and it's this idea that there's, a, that there's a herald of good news announces that Yahweh, right, the God of Israel, uh, he has overcome his enemies, he has, extended, uh, he has ended the exile of his people, and he's established his, his kingdom reign. And so that's a Jewish background you get for that word, euvangelion, uh, that we get... Uh, even used in Isaiah in the Greek uh, version of the Hebrew Old Testament, the Septuagint. And so you see that there uh, in Isaiah. And then that uh, word is also used in a broader cultural context uh, throughout the known world uh, as a uh, pronouncement of victory uh, from war. And so you would have a messenger after a war had been won, uh, and they would go, and they would go into the city or the country, and they would announce victory in war. And so that, w- in a sense, would be good news. And so they would uh, give the good news of victory after battle. Uh, the term also was used to either announce the birth or rise or succession of a new king. And so when a new king was was uh, pronounced, it would be a good news. It would be an evangelion announcement, the announcement of good news coming to the people. And both of these meanings are necessary in the gospel definition in the definition we see in the Matthew account and Mark and Luke and John, as a matter of fact. All right. Well, Compass, let's review the points together. So point number one was to identify that Jesus is the promised solution. And despite us not diving into one particular text, and this seems more like a lecture, the goal of this is to help make sure that we walk away changed through Mm -hmm. God and his word. So even the points are supposed to help us change to match what God says. So identifying that Jesus is the promised solution, I mean, the promise of Genesis 3 of the the coming offspring, the crush the head of the serpent, Genesis 15, the covenant to Abraham that Matthew refers to, and 2 Samuel 7, the promise to David, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David. You know, that's all academic, Pastor Hayden. What's the so... It's academic, but it's the promise of Genesis 1 that... Well, I was going to say, what is the so what? Yeah, the so what is that Jesus is the line and the heir of David to whom the kingly promise was given that the Old Testament promises, O David, I will make your kingdom a kingdom forever, an eternal kingdom, uh, and that your heir will, will never perish and that he will be an eternal king. Well, that can't be a person. It had to be Christ. It had to be God. It had to be that which would never perish. And so, and that's the, that's why he's son of David and then son of Abraham, and we're going to talk more about this, and we talked about it during the Christmas services, but there was a promise that God gave to Abraham to make him a father of many nations, and all the nations would be blessed through him. Well, there is no bigger blessing than uh, the Son of God coming down and being the forgiveness of sin for all people through his death and resurrection. So how does that change us, and how does that? what does that do for us the here and now in this life? According to point number one, uh, you got to realize that this was the way, it was the truth, it was the life, and no one comes to the Father except for through Christ. Like, there is no other solution. This was always the solution, and the Old Testament was the forerunner to show us and prepare us for the coming 
of Christ. And so, you know, we can't deny Christ because he is the only way, and all of Scripture uh, f- was fulfilled in him and through him. And so that's the here and now, the here and what. It's like he wasn't, like I said in the sermon, he wasn't just a good guy. I mean, the Old Testament pointed to him. He didn't. They didn't point to him and something else. Like, all of the Old Testament was just a giant arrow pointing straight to Jesus. Uh, and he's not just a good guy. Actually, the, the book of Matthew would refute the idea that he's just a good guy because in the book of Matthew, I mean, he's, he's, he's a guy on a mission, and he tells people uh, the truth of the judgment that is to come, uh, and he does a lot of things that the world would say, well, good people don't do that. Well, because he is the perfect good, he is an objective moral good compared to our subjective moral goodness, and he was here to accomplish the salvation uh, from, of people from their sins. And so in that case... He wasn't just a good guy. He was he was God of the universe. All right, and Pastor Hayden, point number two was to know how to walk with God. And so what do we need to remember from your sermon this morning? We see that that theme is God with us. We see it in Matthew 1. We need to name him, or we need, we need to name him. Well, we should. We should name him as God with us. That's who we should see him as. But uh, we see there that, uh, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared and said, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And uh, you just see that all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, that God is with us. And we need to understand that because the Bible teaches, Matthew teaches us how to walk with God. How do we live in right relationship with God? After we know that Jesus is the answer, we've turned from our sins, we've trusted in him. Okay, now it's called discipleship. Now we learn how to walk with God. And we can walk with God because he first walked with us. And that's the beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you know, we we learn from God because God came and was veiled in uh, humanity, veiled in flesh, and he showed us how to walk. So now we know how to walk and we have it recorded. And uh, he gave us a spirit to uh, give us wisdom of all things concerning righteousness and judgment and sin, all those good things. Uh, strictly because he came to walk with us and he taught us how to walk with him. And that's what the book of Matthew is. It's a manual on how to walk with God. All right. And just to dive in a little deeper in that point, you made a you made a statement in there, and I want you to kind of elaborate, which you didn't have a, a ton of time, was the only way for us to walk with God is for God to first walk with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just simply to say the best that we can be without God first walking with us is a Pharisee and a Sadducee. Uh, and that's just simply to say this, the best we could do is try to keep laws and try to keep rules, uh, and that's what so many people think gets you to God, and uh, the reality is is it took God putting on flesh and walking with us to give us a way to actually walk with Him, because in every other context in history, uh, God was separate from His people uh, because of our sinfulness outside of the Garden of Eden. So the, the important part about God walking with us, about Christ uh, putting on humanity— was the opportunity for us to trust in him and to follow him. And from that moment on, God has always been uh, with his people expressively, like in the spirit of. And I know that in the Old Testament, we see God making a way to be with his people, uh, but it was different because he was with them, but he was not uh, with them. He was in a He was in a tabernacle, in a temple. And now that we literally have God with us, he, he lives in us, his spirit um, and his his uh, plan that he is going to fulfill is that one day he's going to bring his people into his eternal kingdom. And as he says in Revelations, that these are my people and I am their God and I will forever be with them. That's the promise we have. 
All right, now in point number three, you mentioned to mentioned you told us to deal with the here and now while focusing on the kingdom of God. And before we address that, uh, remind us what is the basic definition of the kingdom of God? Yeah, the kingdom of God. Simple definition is that God reigns over creation, and so we need to know that because. That's what Jesus is coming to announce and to proclaim that God reigns over creation, which is important because what is God or what is Christ doing? Uh, God in a bod, right? What is he doing while he's here on earth? He's reigning over creation, is he not? I mean, every single one of the miracles he's doing, he's reigning over creation. He's not just the material, yeah, the spiritual, the spiritual, all of it, all of the creation. God is reigning over. So the kingdom of God being proclaimed is even through and in the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, there's a simple. Definition: God, God's reign over creation. Okay, and then within that point, I think the the reminder I think we need to hear as we prepare for our life groups and make sure uh, compass that you're doing the life group questions that you're prepared uh, on for life group to with have done done the questions uh, before you have gone. And so the fragrance portion of the of the kingdom. I think this is the portion that I think we need a reminding of is that we are the fragrance of the kingdom to come as it's currently here. It's kind of this weird dichotomy a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Right? It's the connection to Second Corinthians about us being the fragrance of God everywhere through Christ, uh, and, and we're that fragrance of knowledge everywhere. We're aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we're a fragrance from death to death. The other, we're a fragrance of life to life. And truly, here's our role and goal as kingdom proclaimers, is that what we're doing is we're just sharing the testimony of the kingdom of God everywhere. And there are people who are going to get saved because we share the gospel. Uh, and we're a fragrance of life to them. They see life in that, and they pursue it, and they respond appropriately to it. Uh, but there are also those who are perishing, and we're a fragrance of death to death. They don't like it. They turn their noses up to it. They they hate it, and they dismiss it. And that's okay, too, because that is part of proclaiming the kingdom gospel, the gospel of the kingdom throughout the whole world, because it is a testimony. It's a it's an opportunity for people to be saved, but even for those who aren't being saved, it's a testimony to them to the coming destruction, to the coming judgment. So for everyone, it serves a purpose for those who come to Christ and for those who reject Christ. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, I want to... Oh, well, I, to you. We, we have to get to the deal with the here and now while focusing on the kingdom of God, right? Deal with that. That's really the point because all of that, you may not be able to connect to the main point, but the main point is this. like The, the main thing that we're doing here is proclaiming the kingdom. And that's what he says in Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like that is the goal here. Like we can't seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness while we're seeking other things before that or while we're seeking out anything because it is either all the kingdom of God or none of the kingdom of God. And so what we've got to understand is it is seeking the kingdom of God. That's why our entire life have to be has to be after the pursuit of the kingdom of God in all of our lives, whether it's in our hearts, our minds, or our hands. All right, well, jumping into the application questions, and I'd love to dive into each question, but Pastor Hayden, what is the overall direction you want us to uh, take with these questions uh, this week for our life group? Well, what I want you to do, because it will be a little more difficult because it's such an overarching introduction to the uh, gospel of Matthew, is that when you answer these, I want you to answer, how does this impact your life right now? Like this week, what are you going to do? 
because of all of the Old Testament fulfillment and all the promises of, of God in Christ that were being fulfilled, what are you going to do with the confidence that that gives you this week when it comes to who Jesus is? Uh, how are you going to uh, study Scripture knowing that all the Scripture points to the central theme of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ? And how is that going to change your life this week? And then finally, when you look at that last question, it's like, how are you going to focus on the kingdom of God? How are you going to let go of all those things that doesn't pursue the kingdom? And what are you going to do this week to ensure that your heart, your mind, and your hands are staying focused on the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of earth or your kingdom? In other words, what are you going to do this week to focus on the kingdom of God? And and what does that look like right now? All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, we have a handful of, of resources. The, and these resources, Compass, are more than the, the general resources that we normally give. These are ones going to be in, kind of in depth and mm-hmm. you can say intense, but it's going to be helpful if you have these resources to study along with us as we study the Gospel of Matthew, knowing that the Word of God is going to change you. So what are some of the resources? One of them we sold in the bookstore, we sold out of it, but what is mm-hmm. the resource that you, as we, actually we all read, read them, but the one that you really enjoyed as preparing for this sermon? Yeah, it's the Tyndale New Testament commentary volume on the book of Matthew. It's an introductory commentary by R.T. France. It's a really good volume that we have available at the bookstore. We should have some by next week if you want to purchase those, but that's one that I've found uh, helpful. There are others, but uh, Pastor Evan, what do you, what do you have? The other one I think is very helpful. Now, it covers the entire Bible, which I would recommend buying. It's two volumes, an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It's it's a wonderful commentary that's a great overview of the entire Bible, verse by verse. It'll be a helpful one for you to study along with us if you are not really you know, attracted to the really in-depth commentary by R.T. France, which is very helpful. Yes, it is. All right, Pastor Evan, we are now into the daily Bible reading spotlight. What do we have this week as we jump into our daily Bible reading? All right, well, we are wrapping up. We are finishing the book of Psalms. Compass, well done. You have, you're going to read through the entire hymn, uh, hymnal of Israel, the, the book of praises, and we'll be getting the book of wisdom in Proverbs. So I'm going to uh, set aside Proverbs for next week's podcast and focus on on the Psalms. And the last time we, re- we recorded, I promised to talk about Psalm 119. I'll do so briefly, but then we'll cover the final Psalms this week, Psalm 139 to 250. And just as a reminder, as we are now in book, we are wrapping up book number five in the book of Psalms. This is responding in worship to God's ultimate faithfulness, as a commentary put it. This is kind of a good overview of what this book is covering with all the different psalms, but I just want you to remember as the focus of Matthew is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus, the purpose of this hymnal is to help you and me, the reader, to properly worship God and develop a deeper devotion to God, no matter what circumstances that we're in. And so, as I mentioned before, book number five is it's the psalmists are just turning to the ultimate faithfulness of God, and I kind of want to prove that to you. In uh, a few of these real quick. In Psalm 139, the ultimate faithfulness that God knows us personally. I love Psalm 139. We'll actually talk about it in a second. Psalm 140 is God is my deliverer. Psalm 141 is God hears my cry. He's so faithful he listens. Psalm 142, that he's so faithful he's my refuge. 
Psalm 143 is, he's so faithful that I will remember God's faithful deeds in the past so that I continue to remember his faithfulness in the present and the faithfulness in in the future. Psalm 144, he's so faithful that he's a rock and a fortress to turn to. Psalm 145, he's so faithful, he's he's great. There's nothing else to say but how wonderfully great he is. Psalm 146, God is so faithful that he's in con- he is in control. It's not the princes and governments and presidents and dictators of this age. God is in control. In Psalm 147, God's faithfulness is revealed that he heals the brokenhearted, that he's going to come and heal the brokenhearted who turn to him. And the last three Psalms are just the praises of how faithful God is. And Psalm 148, we're praising God's name, or another way to say it, God's reputation. Psalm 149, we're singing a new song to God of how faithful he is. And the last Psalm is like a doxology, meaning it's a study of his glory, about how wonderful he is. But as promised, even Psalm 119 the, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, it's his faithfulness to give us his word. And the, I want you to kind of reread Psalm 119 if you have time this week. You're going to notice it's all about the Bible. It's all about the word that he's given us in written form so that he can encourage us and remind us of his faithfulness and for us to have hope and trust in his continual faithfulness. And I do want to highlight one particular psalm of his faithfulness is Psalm 139. It is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it begins like this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my, all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And what encouraging words that no matter what the situation in the best times or the worst of times, as Charles Dickens would say, that in our suffering, God knows it, and that we can find comfort in that. But the very end of this passage, of this chapter, is verses 23 and 24. This is one of my go-to passages for me when I'm counseling myself and when I'm counseling other people, when they're bringing up situations or bringing up conflict. It's like, hey, as Jesus told us to take the log out of our own eye, we need God to show it. So Psalm 139, 23, and 24, because God knows me so well, why should I not turn to him and have him examine me if I want to grow in Christ-likeness, figure out what sin I need to renounce, what sin I need to lay down to see where I'm, I'm in, I am wrong, and then conform to his image to put on his righteousness and obey his commands. I need to, quote, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I love this verse, these two verses. They're convicting, but yet guiding and comforting. And I encourage you to constantly remember those, meditate on those, because it's going to help you in your life as you pursue to live a godly life here and uh, here and now as we look forward to the the fullness of the kingdom of God.
So the point for us, uh, for us Christians is to make sure that we're using God's word. We're not using our feelings. We're not trying to figure out what he's thinking. We're turning to him in prayer and turning to his word. Because if we remember, he, the, the word says, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, that the word of God, the Bible, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible can reveal what you're thinking. The Bible can reveal what you're desiring, because no creature is hidden from his sight. We cannot hide, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, God, to whom we must give an account. So we need to use the word of God to show us where, where we need to grow in holiness and how we can do it through him alone. And so, Compass, that is going to wrap up our daily Bible reading in the study of the Psalms. And I'm looking forward to studying the book of Proverbs with you together. All right, Pastor Hayden, what are the announcements that we have as a church? We got some big announcements, exciting things coming up in our church. And the first one is that on September the 18th, we have our baptism service. And so what we need is we need you guys as you're listening to this. We need you. And as you see um, your need to follow through in uh, baptism, the believer's first obedience, as we often call it, we would love for you, if you're listening to this and you've either recently been saved or you've been saved and never followed through in believer's baptism after your salvation, this is the service for you. We would love for you to sign up online for baptisms, and we'd love to meet with you, give you some resources, and prepare you for our baptism service on September 18th. And so don't delay as we are getting really close to that service. Make sure you spend some time, go online, fill out that form, and we'd love to meet with you and talk through your baptism. We also have Compass Midweek uh, every Wednesday night, and we have our adult life group, student life groups, and we have Adventure Club on campus. All of those things are happening on our Compass Midweek. And if you're interested and haven't joined a life group yet, or your kids aren't registered for Adventure Club, uh, we would love for you to get involved in that ASAP. If you are looking for a sign to join a life group or be involved in our Midweek, here is your sign. Uh, So go ahead and do that. We'd love to see you guys uh, this week. We also have a men's breakfast coming up on September the 10th at 9 a.m. here at the church building. And we're going to be learning about how to love God wholeheartedly. And we're going to fellowship. We're going to have some great breakfast, some fun time uh, hanging out with the men at our church. But We're also going to spend some time diving into the Word of God together. And finally, we have our student parent night on September the 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. here at Compass and dinner is provided. Registration is not necessary. We just want all the parents who have middle school and high school kiddos here together, and you're going to learn what is planned for the next 6 to 12 months here at Compass. You're going to be able to get to know the student leadership and the life group leaders, and so we just love to have you here. We want to invite you to come partake in an evening of uh, Compass student uh, ministry, including you parents. And we understand how necessary it is for parents to be the main discipler of the students. And so that's what this is for. It's for us to be able to partner with you as the primary disciple makers in your home. All right. Well, Compass, as we close this podcast, I want to close it as the Psalms have closed in Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. So Compass, let us go out this week and praise the Lord as we prepare to learn what God has for us in our study of the gospel of Matthew and that we can take what he's, uh, God is saying in his word and apply it to our lives today. So let's go out and praise the Lord together. 